The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're welcome back to the Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. And Regina Doherty, the Finnegale Senator, and Mick Barry, the Socialist TD for Cork North Central, member of the Enterprise Trade and Employment uh, Committee, uh, both with me for common ground. Talking about zoos, a lot of people be going to the zoo over the summer. Well, people go to the zoo all year round. I mean, it's a hugely popular uh, tourist attraction. But Regina, are zoos not just big prisons for animals? No. Um, so, if, like, there is obviously a, a slight reservation. Um, and I know maybe Mick will have a hell of a lot more. So to my mind, obviously, you need to do it in a, in a compassionate way. There needs to be obviously huge amounts of care and nutrition. Their environment has to be managed, their physical health. Everything that's good for the animal obviously needs to be maintained and regulated. And I know we have the National Parks and Wildlife um, Division do all of that. Um, but they provide a huge source um, of educational experiences excuse me, of fun, um, of access to animals that the vast majority of children wouldn't ever get to experience. And I don't even mean, you know, tigers and gorillas and and giraffes. Lots of kids never even get to see a cow. So it gives children, particularly in urban settings uh, and their families, a really enjoyable place to go to be together as a family. And as we all know, zoos provide different seasonal events. There's a Halloween one, there's a Christmas one. It's all lovely. But to my mind, education around animals, their animal welfare, to teach them the value of conserving animals because we know there's so many species of animals that are dying in the wild and events have tried to keep them in the wild and haven't been successful. So when you look at some of the animals that we have in Dublin Zoo, um, they're only there because of the breeding practices and, and the management and the minding of them. So I think they have an enormous benefit in societies where children wouldn't ever otherwise get um, to see or experience animals in real life, um, but they have to be minded well. Mick, get the welfare picture right, get the conservation picture right, and there's a place for zoos. What do you think? Mm, no, I don't think so. So I think there's two main arguments have been raised uh, against zoos. I think they overlap in large measure. Um, the first one would be from the animal rights campaigners who pose an interesting ethical question. Uh, and the question is, um, do human beings have the right Uh, to hunt, to capture, uh, and to display animals um, for the amusement uh, of other uh, human beings. I hear Regina's point about education, and I don't deny that there can be an element of that. But I think first and foremost, zoos are about amusement. Um, The second argument has been raised by animal welfare campaigners, and essentially the point that they would make is that um, no matter how well organised the modern zoo is, Uh, it's still um, the real issues with the welfare for uh, the animals. So, for example, they would give the example of a polar bear. They would say that a polar bear has uh, less than one millionth of the room to roam uh, in a zoo that they would have in their natural uh, environment. And as a result, they display in many, many cases anxiety, severe anxiety, uh, biting the bars, uh, pacing repetitively, uh, swaying, uh, and the same point can be made with us to a slightly lesser extent, but only slightly, for liars, uh, for lions, tigers, and uh, for elements, uh, for elephants. God, I'm really getting my tongue tied today. <laughs> uh, so, uh, essentially, the point is that <clears throat> zoos, per se, there's a strong argument to say they're wrong, or zoos, the way that they can best be organised, no, it falls short of what's needed, and therefore we need to at least begin a debate, uh, a real debate in society about. 2023 now, let's start moving away from this. Regina, 
So when, like, so Mick raises very valid points, and so what? That's why we have the regulations that we have. When we look um, at, and I'll just take Dublin Zoo as the example because it's the one I would know the best. The nutrition, the environment. Um, Mick talks about the mental uh, considerations of the animals, how we transport them, um, how we conserve the public safety of the people. That when we come and actually visit the animals, we do major animal record inspections, staff training to make sure that we don't ever see what we saw on RTE last night with regard to you know mistreating animals. And Dublin Zoo has an enormously positive um, and exemplary record, and they do that because. And like I don't know, Mick, you come from Cork, so you know you might go to Cork Zoo. I brought my four kids. From whence they were in buggies, you know, to go some. The how, the care, the kindness, the love, the relationship that you see that but the people who work in Dublin Zoo have with their animals. Pushing the buggy through the zoo, did you not get to places like where the the, the wolves are or the the hippo? And you think to yourself, God, that's actually a little depressing. I know the kids are loving it, and you you you, you know you, you feed off that energy as well. But was there not a voice in your head that kind of thinks, ugh? I mean. Well, that is kind of sad. So, okay, I, so the experience for me, and we used to have membership at Dublin Zoo when the kids were small because we only live up the road from it. The experience for me was a totally enjoyable experience. And it's based on the fact that I know and believe that the animals are well cared for. Okay, your hippo isn't in the Zambezi River where he probably should be. Your elephants are not Roman, you know, African plains. But they try and recreate the environment as best they can. Okay, the polar bear doesn't have 4,000 acres to roam around. But as best they can to balance the enjoyment of people who would never otherwise get to see them, but also the conservation. And when you look at Dublin Zoo, they're involved with 25 international conservative organisations to make sure that they're not doing it their way. They're doing it the absolute proper way to make sure that we have continuous breeding of endangered species, but also the best care that we can have for the enjoyment of the kids, the boys and girls who never get to go to African plains or the Antarctic or you know yeah. wherever penguins live. Make that is an argument that people in the zoo make. They say, listen... You know, we we can't have one without the other. We can't do all the conservation work without getting in the revenue to fund it. And the way we get that in is by allowing people to come in and ooh and ah at the tigers. Yeah, it kind of raises the issue of whether zoos are are publicly owned or or privately owned or whether they're run for profit or not not for profit. Um, Did a little bit of research on this today and there's some interesting history to it. The first modern zoo was actually established in Paris in 1793. So the, the date jumped out, jumped out at me. Uh, yes, it was uh, an act of the French Revolution. Basically, the, the the bourgeoisie had their giraffes and their animals for their private enjoyment out in Versailles. And, and they were nationalised. Uh, and the Paris Zoo was established uh, as a public zoo on a not-for-profit basis. I suspect the majority of the better zoos in the world are actually either publicly owned or not-for-profit. Uh, Dublin Zoo is not... Uh, publicly owned, but it is run on a, a not-for-profit uh, basis. But the majority of zoos uh, in the world, including some zoos in this country, actually, uh, are run on a for-profit uh, uh, basis. Uh, and that puts private profit first uh, above the, the, the question of the needs mm. uh, of the animals uh, themselves. And we, we've, had, we've struggled to find common ground uh, on this show uh, uh, over many issues over many weeks but I hope that we can find common ground on an issue today which I want to raise okay. very briefly here and that is the fact that what is now known as uh, Emerald Park which formerly was known as Tato Park which you'll know I think it's your neck of the woods um, I understand that at a certain point Emerald Park stopped providing the Zoo Licence Authority uh, with handing over the records now, the Zoo Licence Authority can come in and look at the records, but the reason why they're not handed over is that they're not FOIable, all right, in terms of 
the number of animals that would die in their care in a given year. And I hope that we could agree that they should be FOIable. I think that's an important point. Mm. Well, I have no problem agreeing. And actually, before you brought it up, I was going to say in uh, the, the vast majority of zoos are not-for-profit or run by states because they are ex- incredibly expensive to run. But an example of a private one is when Tata Park was opened originally 10, maybe even 15 years ago at this stage now, they did attempt to have a private zoo. And again, you walk around it with your kids and it looked lovely. But their records um, weren't satisfactory to the National Parks and Wildlife Division. And so they were consistently monitored. Um, And actually, I think even at one stage, probably closed down. But that's because how we treat these animals that are Mm. for our enjoyment, but also have the sanctity of their own dignity in life, is absolutely important. So it's not a case of that you can just throw anything you want into a field. I know they had buffaloes for years, long before they ever had the zoo. They have to be treated correctly. And it's exactly the same as what we saw in RT last night. It's not acceptable that any animal, regardless of its value, would be treated in a manner so, that doesn't show dignity for the, you know, the life that they have. Well, in the spirit then of common ground, Mick, is there then an argument if you just focus on zoos that are either publicly owned or are not-for-profit, Dublin Zoo, for example, not-for-profit, that you can put up with, hold your nose, grit your teeth, however you want to describe it, with the reality of the zoo, given that, uh, that, that money raised goes into such good work in terms of conservation? No, I, I don't think so, Kieran, because um, Dublin Zoo is actually a good case in point because I, I, I think that when you have a zoo well run uh, on a not-for-profit basis, uh, uh, well run in other cases uh, as a publicly owned zoo, uh, not-for-profit, um, but you still have the issue with the polar bears, with the tigers, with the lions, with the elephants, I pronounced them correctly, this time around, uh, it's still, it, no matter what way you try and turn the Rubik's Cube, you, you, you can't square it, all right? You, you cannot have uh, an environment for, for animals whose natural environment is in the wild, all right? So I think uh, you can. And I think when you balance the education, and I know you called it entertainment value there earlier on, and maybe to an extent it is for smaller children and, and you know, teenagers, I think it enormously outweighs the small bit that you have to hold your nose for, as you would say, um, with regard to the educational opportunities that we get for kids, just even just the experience of going down and watching penguins or seals or tigers, you know, that, that experience as children, um, you wouldn't get. And come here, I couldn't even begin to think what kind of money you'd have to be able to get your child to experience all of the different um, lifestyles and, uh, and environmental animals that you have in Dublin Zoo or any other zoo. I've, there's a zoo in Bayonne in France that we used to go to because we'd go to a campsite uh, before. It's just spectacular. Like, it's just... It's just spectacular and they have seven or eight foot flamingos that are practically right beside you. Like, you wouldn't get that experience. I mean, I don't know where flamingos live in the world, but I haven't ever been there nor have my kids. So I think there's a balance between educational um, routes to to teach your children about the value of conservation and the money that's raised so that we can actually do, with those 25 organisations that Dublin Zoo are involved with, that we can do good in the world and make sure that no species actually dies off the way some have beforehand. I started with uh, Regina Mick. I'll give you the final word. Yeah, I, I, I still don't really think that zoos are first and foremost about education. I think they are mainly about ooing and eyeing and the amusement. I think that um, there are alternative ways of dealing with the education side of things. Uh, I accept it. It's not quite the same thing. Uh, but, you know, the wildlife pro- programmes on the television, uh, Attenborough, the big screen in a school hall... Um, uh, you can educate young people about animals. And I'll conclude on the point about young people because I'm aware of the fact that I suspect the majority of listeners don't agree with me on this one, right? 
I did ask a colleague in my workplace today as to whether perhaps a majority of women might agree with me on this one. I thought that might be the case. And they said, no, they didn't think so. Um, but then I asked them, do you think a majority of young people would agree with me on this? And they said, perhaps, but certainly they'd be raising serious questions about zoos. And I think it's good that that's being questioned and let the debate continue. All right. That's the debate done for uh, for this edition of Common Ground. Uh, Regina, thank you very much, Mick. Same to you. Uh, Regina Doherty, Finnegate Senator, Mick Barry, Socialist TD for Cork North Central. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.